I'm beginning a new series today, and that series is called What Now? Have you ever had one of those moments where you just looked around and said, what now? You know, what, what do I do now? What is it that I'm supposed to do? What is it that I'm supposed to be involved in? So if you would go to the book of Acts chapter 2, as you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I want to welcome all of you today, all the campuses. We welcome you. We're glad you're here today, and uh, we're thankful for what God is doing at every location of Love and Truth Church, and we believe that God has great things for you today. The book of Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be over the next three weeks, and um, Acts chapter 1 kind of is a transitional moment uh, as the church now begins to move into reality. Uh, we find the Old Testament is talking to us about Jesus who is to come. In fact, the Scripture says that the Old Testament uh, or the law was a schoolmaster bringing us to Jesus Christ. And then you come into the book of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see Jesus. We see the whole aspect of who He is and, and how He conducts His life and how He lives. Uh, but the book of Acts is that defining moment uh, where the church now comes into existence. The book of Acts chapter 1 is where Jesus on the Mount of Ascension uh, talks to the apostles and then the angels show up and say, uh, why are you looking into heaven? This same Jesus who's gone away is going to return in like manner, but go and wait until you're endued with power. Acts chapter 2 starts off that on the day of Pentecost uh, that they were all assembled together in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they began to magnify God and praise Him uh, in languages that they had not learned. In that moment, it begins to be, uh, the Scripture says, noised abroad. In other words, people begin to talk about it and say, what in the world is happening? And, and the Scripture says that, that they gather uh, from all the nations that were in Jerusalem. They gather that day to this upper room. And in that moment, some people begin to criticize. How many of you know that anytime God does something, people criticize? All right? And some people begin to say, well, these are drunk. These are experiencing crazy things and on and on. And uh, the apostle Peter stands up there in Acts chapter 2 and says, uh, these men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. Uh, he said, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, and upon my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord. And as the apostle Peter preaches Jesus Christ to them, verse 36 is where we're going to start today. Verse 36 says this, therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Then when it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? In other words, what now? What is it that we're supposed to do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far, are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
This is a familiar passage of Scripture to most people who've been to church, and it's really a familiar passage of Scripture for anybody who's been to a Love and Truth Church, uh, because this is kind of one of those linchpin Scriptures uh, that I believe sets up uh, the process for us to move into the fullness of, of everything that God has for us. Now, let me, let me ask you something today. How many of you believe that God has great plans for your life? Do you really believe that? I mean, a, a lot of people kind of have the, the impression uh, that God's mad at them, that God's upset, that God's just waiting to squash them like you do a bug, uh, you know, or whatever. But I believe that the Word of God lets us know that God's got great plans for us. The, the problem is, is that a lot of us have never found out how to move into everything that God has for us. We've never learned how to live uh, what, that, what John 10.10 10 says, that abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give us. And, and so as you read this scripture today, I, I, the next few weeks I'm going to be talking out of this passage, and today I just want to talk on that word there, repent. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting word, and we'll kind of delve into that as we go forward today. Uh, but I'm, I want to talk to you about repentance. Now, now let me say this to you. Repenting does not need to be a religious-sounding word for you. Uh, a lot of times we hear things, we put religious connotations to them. Uh, I want to show you today from the Word of God and from, uh, from history what repentance really means and how that it operates in our lives. The book of Matthew, the ninth chapter and the 13th verse says, but go on and learn what this means. This is the Lord's been going and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel good. I'll wait on you. That makes me feel good. You say, oh, no, I got it all together. No, you don't. See, God, God came for, for messed up people. God came for those of us who don't have it all together. And he said, I, I'm more interested in mercy than I am in sacrifice. I'm more interested in bringing mercy into people's lives. But how do we get that mercy? How do we experience the grace of God? If Jesus Christ came to this earth, he shed his blood according to history and according to Scripture so that you and I could have this abundant life, how do we go about getting that? Well, the book of Luke, the 13th chapter and the third verse says this, I tell you not, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, again, there's that word, repent. I, as I was preparing for this series, as I, as I do always, I begin to look up uh, certain things, and I thought, you know what? Uh, if, if God thinks that repentance is important, then he's going to talk about it. And so I, I begin to research how many times in Scripture the word repent, repentance, or something of that vernacular is used. You know what I found out? The word repentance or something like that is used 111 times in Scripture. Now, how many of you know if God repeats himself, it must be important, right? Have you ever told your kids, don't make me say that again? Come on, you know you have. Uh, I, I think God has, has time again. I mean, he, in the Old Testament, there's one place there where he says, don't, uh, don't touch the Ark of the Covenant. And yet when the Ark of the Covenant's going across the threshing floor, it begins to tip and, and tremble, and, and a guy reaches over to steady it, and God kills him. Now, God only told him one time, don't do it. And he took him out. Number one is, I'm glad I'm not under law. Right? 
The other part of that is if God did that after one repetition, what does God mean to us as He speaks to us time and time and time and time again about this whole aspect of repentance? Understand this. Jesus Christ has already paid the price for your sin. Do you believe that? In fact, the Word of God lets us know that Jesus' sacrifice was enough for every person that has been born from Adam until the end of age, of the age, that His blood is powerful enough to take care of all of our sins. I am thankful to know that today. But you know what? There are still people who have never experienced forgiveness of sins. There are people who have never entered into that place where they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and where they have moved into this thing called a relationship with God Almighty. The word repentance has, has taken on a real religious sense. I don't know about you. I was raised uh, in, a, in, a, in a tradition, a great tradition, but I was raised in a tradition that if you really repented, that means you came to the altar, you cried a whole lot, you wept, everybody knew it, and, and that means that you repented. Well, you know what? Let me, let me say this to you. Uh, that, can, that can be repentance, but you know what? There are a lot of people who are sorry I'll let you think about that for a minute. There are a lot of sorry people. <clears throat> you do with that however you want to. There, there are people this morning who woke up and they're sorry they got drunk last night because they had a hangover. There are people who, who are sorry they got caught doing something they shouldn't. But being sorry is not what the Word of God says. Now, here's, here is what the Word of God says. The Bible says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance. In other words, when I begin to understand my, my relationship with God is broken, my relationship with God is not where it needs to be, then the sorrow from that works repentance. You say, well, pastor, what is repentance? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's a Greek word called metanoia. Metanoia means this, to change one's mind. That's what repentance means. It's to change my mind. I'm thinking this way, and all of a sudden, because of the revelation of who Jesus is and what He has done in my life, I think another way. It means to think differently. It means to reconsider. Have you ever reconsidered anything? Have you ever thought one way and all of a sudden? Have you, have you ever? Let me ask this question. Have any of you ever been around people who, who it, kinda, it was kind of like this? don't mess with me with facts. I've already got my mind made up, right? It's just kind of, I already got it figured out, so don't tell me what reality is. Well, repentance means to change my mind. Repentance means also to change my direction. In fact, in the army of that day, when they got ready uh, to have the, the army to do an about face, they didn't say about face. Guess what they said? Repent. And when they said repent, the army that was going this way would turn on their hill and they would begin to go that way. That's what repentance is all about. Repentance is about changing my direction. It's about changing my mind and understanding that through the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I have the right to enter into the blessings of God. Now, I started off this sermon asking you, do you believe God has great things for you? And pretty much, I think, everybody raised their hand and said, yes. I believe that's what God has. Well, you know what? I don't think some of you are really convinced. I really don't. You say, why? Because I hear what you say. 
I listen to, you, to your speech sometimes. Well, you know what? I don't know why these bad things always happen to my family. I don't understand why we have to go through this. I don't know why this has to take place. Well, you know what? Here's what the Bible says. Weeping may endure for the night. You ready? But what? Joy comes in the morning. We all go through problems. We all go through difficulties. We all experience things that, that are just not the best. But here's what I know. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans for success. Plans for a great future. That's what God has for us. But you know what? i gotta get it. I got to get myself right. Now, let me say this to you. Repentance is not something that is just a one-time happening in your life. You know, in, in some traditions, maybe you walk to the front and you shake the pastor's hand and that means you're saved. Or maybe you come to an altar. Or maybe you sign the back of a car. Whatever it is, listen, I want to tell you, all those things are wonderful, but that in and of itself doesn't save you. You can shake my hand till my hand falls off and it doesn't mean you're saved. Amen. There's nothing magic in my hand. Right? You can sign the card. You can even come to the front and weep and cry and not be saved. How do I get saved? How do I get to that place where my relationship is right with God? It's that, again, it's that word repentance. Listen, repentance was so important that John the Baptist preached it. The apostle Peter preached it. The apostle Paul preached it. The apostle John preached it. And even Jesus himself preached about repentance. So if all of these great men of history preached about repentance, don't you think we ought to figure out what repentance involves? Amen? So let's look at that. Let's, let's look at what repentance involves. First of all, the first thing repentance involves is that in, it involves regret. All right, that word regret. Uh, now, th that means uh, that repentance is realizing that I have a problem. Would you just look at your neighbor and say, you got a problem? No, come on, you've been wanting to tell them that. Just go ahead and tell them. Right? You've wanted to, some of you have been waiting for this day. It's like, praise God. Pastors said I could tell them they got a problem. They do. Now, you, you may be that problem. I don't know. All right? Okay? Now, no, wait a minute. You, it, re repentance is realizing that I have a problem. You know what that problem is? That problem is sin. I have a problem that I can't fix, and that problem is sin. The Bible says that we were born in sin, and we were shapen in iniquity. Every one of us. It doesn't, listen, nobody gets into this world unscathed. Everybody comes to that place where we are born in sin, we are shaping iniquity. You say, Pastor, I don't believe that. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you have to teach children to be bad? Do you have to teach a child to be selfish? Do you have to teach a child to lie? I mean, how many times have you caught that kid doing whatever? Maybe we'll use the old one. You know, maybe uh, there, there's cookies on the floor, the, the cookie jars turned over, there's cookies on their face, and their mouth is full. And you say, have you been eating cookies? And they go, mm-mm trying to swallow them as quick as they can, right? Nobody set that child down and said, now here, let me, let me teach you about lying. Here's what a lie is. This is how to lie. I want to, I want to help you to lie. No, no, no. Well, you know, it, it just happens. We, when we just, you know, as, as the one kid said uh, about lying, he said, a lie is a present help in a time of trouble. <laughs> now, the Bible says the Lord is a present help, but... Maybe a lie can't, no, sorry. Uh, but, but that's, you know, sin, 
uh, is the issue. And, and you know what? I can't fix sin in my life. Make all those resolutions. Make all those determinations. I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to experience. And, and you know what? You find yourself again. You find yourself like the Apostle Paul. Those things that I would not do. That's what I find myself doing. He said, there's a law that works in me. He said, I call it the law of sin and death. You know why he called it sin and death? Because all sin leads to death. Now, let me, let me talk to you a minute. Let, let's, be real, let's be real honest at church today. You can have fun sinning. Just do this. I'm right. You can have fun sinning. There, there's, there's pleasure in sin. There's, there's fun in sin. There, there's all kinds of things you can do uh, that, that are pleasing and they're sinful. And man, it was, wasn't that good? Oh, yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. But you know what? Here's what the Bible says about it. It says that there's pleasure in sin for a season. Because sin always produces death. See that, that little flirting, it, it feels good, and, 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 and all of a sudden you, you, you move from flirting and you, you forget that companion you've got at home, and all of a sudden it's, it's involved in a lunch, and you're hanging out at lunch with people you don't need to be hanging out at lunch with, and the next thing you know, you got an arm around them. Am I getting too close to anybody? The next thing you know, it's a, you know, a room that you don't need to be in and doing things you have no business doing. And all of a sudden, in that moment, sin brought death. Sin brought destruction to that person that you stood before God and said, to this person, I'll be true. But in the moment, there was, there was, there was the glamour, there was the feeling, there was the emotion that pulled you into that. But it always produces death. It always produces destruction. It's the prodigal son who says, give me what's mine, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to party, and I'm going to party hardy. And you know what? As long as the money lasted, it was fun. But the Word of God says what? When his money ran out, all of his friends ran out. And all of a sudden, he winds up in a pig pen going, what in the world am I doing here? My father's servants are better off than I am. I'll go home. Listen to what he said. I will return to my father, and I will say to him, he's repenting. I will return to my father, and I will say, I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against heaven. That's what it means. It's having this regret down inside of you. Listen, there, there are too many people that I know who say they're sorry and who aren't. Again, it's, it's like teaching your child when they're, you know, a year, two years old, and, and, and they're starting to learn to talk a little bit, and three years old, you, they'll do something, and, and they shouldn't, and you say, say you're sorry, right? And, and they go, sorry. <laughs> sorry. They don't mean it. You know they don't. In fact, they, don't even, they have no comprehension of sorrow at that moment. They just want what they want. Uh, and that's, that's the sad thing is that's the way a lot of Christians are. Sorry, God. Sorry. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. But there's no real regret. There's no real, there's no real conviction. Well, there's that old, that's an old school word, isn't it? There's no conviction inside of us that says, man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have participated in that. I shouldn't have acted like that. And again, it's not just for people who aren't saved. It's for those of us who are saved. You know what the word sin really means? The word sin means missing the mark. Oh, man, for all have sinned. <laughs> Missing the mark. Doesn't mean, see, we got, the, we got the big stuff figured out, don't we? We, we got the big thing. 
We know. I mean, nobody has to walk up and say, don't kill anybody today. Right? Some of you are looking at me like you didn't know that. That's the big ones. We, we understand. Don't commit adultery. Got it. But missing the mark means I got to be kind to who? I got to turn the other cheek for what? Right? And, and, and that's what's in. So repentance is an ongoing process of our life. It's not just a one-time happening. It's an ongoing process. So, so repentance involves regret. Secondly, it involves confession. Now, now here's, here's how we pray. Can I, can I just walk you through it a minute? Here's how we pray. Lord, I just come to you today, and I just ask you to forgive me. Forgive me all my sins. Forgive me of everything I've ever done. In the name of Jesus, amen. Do you know what confession means? Confession means saying the same thing God says. Let's try it this way. Lord, I come to you today, and I am a liar. I just can't tell the truth, God. In fact, I would rather lie when the truth would fit better. Boy, it gets tight in this church. Lord, I, I, I've got a problem with lust. God, I, I don't control my eyes. I don't control my thoughts. In fact, I objectify other people, and, and, and I, I use them in my brain for things. I, God, I, I just admit that I'm an adulterer. I'm just going to talk to the campuses because this bunch ain't listening. <laughs> See, confession means saying the same thing God says about it. It's easy to say, Lord, just forgive me of all my sins. It's something else when we come to the point where we pinpoint what that sin is and we say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. And in that moment, listen, if you begin to say that, th th nobody wants to be called a liar. No, nobody wants to don't trust that. They're a liar. They'll lie to you about anything. Nobody wants that. So if we don't want that, if we begin to confess, now, now let me say this to you. When, when you are confessing this, do this in private. Don't do this around people. Because your Facebook, they will mess you up. They'll say, did you know about so -and? That's nobody's, that's you and God, okay? But there, there's this whole aspect of confession, of saying the same thing that God says about your sin. Thirdly, repentance involves change. Repentance involves a changing of your life. Repentance is heartfelt sorrow for sin, but it doesn't stop there, along with a commitment to walk in obedience. How many of you know that the Word of God tells us that if we really love the Lord, we will keep His commandments? right? That means I'll do what God's Word says I'm sh I should do. The, the Scripture talks about fruit. It says, bring forth fruit unto repentance. Now, let me, let me, can I drill down for a minute or are we too nervous? Well, all right. Let me, let me drill down on this. That means if I truly repent, I am going to make some changes in my life. If I confess Jesus Christ as Lord, if I come into a relationship with God Almighty, I'm not going to continue to do all the things that I used to do. I'm going to clean up my language. Oh, help me. I was in an airport this week, and, uh, um, and uh, I had a, anyway, it was a long process. I had a few thoughts in my mind. But anyway, uh, the, the, there was this guy walking by me, and he was just cursing. I mean, every, every other word. But it didn't even make sense. Have you ever been around people who use curse words and they, I mean, they're throwing them in. Don't look at me like that. 
But it makes no sense what he was saying. I won't tell you what he was saying, but I, I heard him. And I'm looking at him going, you are just dumber than a rock. I mean, what is your problem? Because every word out of his mouth, I mean, every other word was just a, a curse word. And we're in a, you know, a huge amount of people. And, and he just, but it, it wasn't even like, I mean, if you're going to use them. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, but if you, get, if you get saved, you'll clean up your language. You'll clean up, clean up your life. Things will begin to change. You'll bring forth fruit unto repentance. It's, it's that moving into uh, that relationship uh, with God. Uh, Charles Stanley, who I love to listen to and, and who is, uh, I think, one of the greatest preachers ever, he, listen to what he said. He said, salvation is internal change that results in external actions. Did you get that? It's something that happens in here, but it comes out in my life and the things that I do day in and day out. So, re repentance is about two facts, and I want to give those to you uh, as we move uh, forward this morning. Two facts about repentance. Number one is, is the fact of sin. You have to take sin into consideration. But so, some people say, well, you know, I, I don't really believe in sin. What world are you living in? I mean, it, it doesn't take a, a whole lot of energy to see that we live in a world filled with sin, filled with destruction, filled with all kind of, of problems. And so, so we, we need to take the fact of sin. And we talked about how that I can't change. I can't make sin go away. The, the second thing that we need to understand, though, is the fact of God's grace. I, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the grace of God. Jesus has paid the price for my sin. I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to get it. God's grace is so much bigger than you and I will ever understand. Do you know that? No, really, hear me. Do you know that? I mean, can, can you imagine Jesus hanging on the cross, and he's making all these statements, and, and he's talking to John, and he says, John, your mother, and he looks at his mother and says, Mother, your son, and, and, and he's having all these discourses. And, and the Word of God says that in the middle of that, that there are two thieves on either side of him. There's, there's these two guys who are there because they got caught stealing, and probably it was multiple times it wasn't their first time. And so they're hanging there. And one of them is just cursing and swearing and, and going to town. And the other one starts off that way. But he watches Jesus. He's looking at Jesus. And, and in a moment of, of rational thought, he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. If anybody deserved judgment that day, that thief deserved judgment. If anybody had the right, listen, if anybody had the right to give out judgment, Jesus had the right. He was the perfect son of God. What does Jesus say? He looks back at this man who has lived a life of total, total destruction to everybody and everything around him. And the word of God says, as Jesus looks at him, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. If you've never understood the grace of God, that picture ought to show you his grace. It's not so that I can use it just to do what I want to do. The Apostle Paul again says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin continue longer therein? But I am so thankful for the grace of God. Repentance brings the grace of God into my life where that I can then begin to experience everything that God has for me.
So if repentance means to change our mind, what I need to change my mind about as I close today, number one is you need to change your mind about yourself. You say, what do you mean by that? You need help. You need help. Remember I told you a while ago and let your neighbor tell you you've got a problem. And if you've got a problem called sin that you can't handle, then you need help. And you don't just need help when you come to Jesus initially. You need help every day. The Bible says that the, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Every day you need God's help. And so you, you've got to look at yourself and say, you know what? I need help today. I need help. I need God's help in my life. The second thing you've got to change your mind about is you've got to change your mind about sin. You know, back in my day, there were songs about we're going to party all the way to hell and party in hell and do all that stuff. I want to tell you, hell's going to not going to be a party. The Bible says it's a lake burning with fire and brimstone, and, and I don't understand all about hell, and I don't like studying about hell, but I believe hell is a reality if I choose to walk away from the grace of God. And so I've got to look at sin, and you know what I need to decide about sin? I need forgiveness. But here's what's wonderful. God has already paid the price through His Son, Jesus. So the third thing you need to change your mind about is God. You need Him. I need Him. Every day, every moment, every second, I need Him in my life. You say, Pastor, preacher, man up there talking, whatever you call me, I'm easy. I've made it pretty good so far. I'm not saying you haven't. But you know what? I'm still going to tell you. You need Jesus. Jesus Christ came to this earth for one purpose. And the Bible says he came to seek and to save the lost. I was lost. I didn't know what I was doing. I was going down a road toward hell. My life was headed toward destruction. But one day... I was seven years old. One day I heard somebody preach. You say, what did they preach? Don't know. Something about Jesus, I'm sure. But I can't tell you what it was. But in that moment, I changed my mind. In that moment, I changed my direction. And instead of heading towards hell, I began to head towards heaven. Now, let me explain something to you. There's been moments I've turned around. Now, I was further down the road, but I turned around. And I began to live the way I wanted to and do what I wanted to do. And you know what? God will let me do that. Now, His grace goes with me. He continues to pull. He continue, but He'll let me continue. And somewhere, if I go far enough, I can walk out of His grace. But thankfully, it's in those moments His grace grabs a hold of me. And I come back and I say, Lord, don't ever let anybody take me out of your hand. I continue my journey. That's what grace is about. That's why the blood of Jesus Christ is so important to our lives today because it brings the grace of God to us. And so whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey today, let me just challenge you. Don't think of repentance as a religious word. Think of repentance as a relationship word. 
as a word for your life day in and day out that you say, you know what? I want to commit my life to God daily. I want to repent. I want to walk with him. Amen.